Hi, you're listening to Coffee Talk. I am your host, Liv Alliston. Before we get started today, I really just wanted to ask those of you who listen to the podcast and have enjoyed it, um, if you could just rate the podcast, um, either on iTunes or Spotify, and then leave us a review. That would just really help boost uh, our ratings uh, so that people can find us more easily. Uh, So I would really appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who um, is listening and supports this podcast. It's very much appreciated and uh, you are prayed for and you're definitely an answer to prayer. So today I wanted to talk about identity, um, our identity as children of God, who we are as his daughters. I was asked to speak at a women's event at our church and the whole topic was an identity. And since God has been dealing with me on that very subject on a personal level for quite a while. I was really excited to have the opportunity to speak to a group of women about it. And so today I would like to share with you the message that God laid on my heart to share with them. There are a lot of references to scripture uh, that I'm going to make and I'll read them all uh, in the CSB Christian Standard Bible version. I will put the references all on the show notes. So you have all of those in one location that you can look up for yourself. So speaking on identity, um, this is basically a look at Jesus's life and what his example and who he is, what that tells us about who we are in him as his children. So what I'd like to offer is that we cannot know ourselves until we first know the one in whose image we were created. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. So when I did a closer look at the word word, I love the Hebrew-Greek lexicon, um, meaning if you follow me for any amount of time, you know that I love looking up the lexicon. And so the Greek word for word is logos, which refers to both spoken and unspoken word. It means an utterance by a living voice. It is the word of God by which he created the world and governs it. So if you notice, the word in John 1, 1 through 3 is distinct from God the Father. It said the word is with God, but also the word is God. So we could read the scripture again like this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Jesus, and apart from Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. So this passage establishes Jesus's deity. So Jesus Christ is fully God. Now, if you turn back to the very beginning, Genesis 1, or I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So notice who is present at creation in Genesis 1. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit, and then God, the word here for God is Elohim, it's the Creator God, And what did God do? He spoke the word, Jesus Christ. We have all three members of the Trinity present at creation. 
We also see this confirmed in several other scriptures. Um, I'm going to list them out and you can look them up later. Job 26, 13, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 104, 30, also speaking of the Holy Spirit. And then Colossians 1, 16, this is speaking of Jesus. Also in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, also speaking of Jesus. So Christ was present at creation along with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Not only was he present, but he had an active role in creation. We learn that all things were created through him and by him and for him. So the Trinity acts in accordance with one another because they are all God. One God, three persons, each with a different role, but all working in unison. All equal in strength, power, ability, and knowledge. So Colossians 1, I'm going to read verses 15 through 20. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, uh, this is speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So just think about that imagery, the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3 says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact imprint of his nature. So Jesus is not a copy of God. He is not lesser in power or ability than God. Jesus Christ is fully and completely God. Now we read in Luke chapter 1 verses 31 through 33 about the angel Gabriel approaching Mary and telling her, you know, you are going to be having a son. He's going to be called the son of the most high God. And um, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And then Luke chapter two launches into the Christmas story that we know and love and are probably very familiar with. And what I want you to note about this is that Jesus Christ is fully man. So this, when Jesus came to earth as a baby in Bethlehem, he became fully man. This is the Christmas story. If you go back to John 1, 14, it says, The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So I just recently finished reading A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy, which is such a powerful read. Um, if you've not read it, uh, there's a link on my resources page on the blog uh, where you can purchase uh, the book through Amazon. But Tozer, um, in this book, he talks about the Trinity as it relates to Christ's incarnation. And the incarnation is basically when Jesus came down from heaven in the form of man as a little baby. So the, the Christmas story. So here's what Tozer had to say. In his incarnation, the Son veiled his deity, but he did not void it. The unity of the Godhead made it impossible that he should surrender anything of his deity. When he took upon him the nature of man, he did not degrade himself or become even for a time less than he had been before. God can never become less than himself. For God to become anything that he has not been is unthinkable. So when Jesus took on the form of man and he came down to earth as a baby, 
He was fully God and fully man. God is whole, complete. He is unified within himself. He cannot be divided. He didn't put his deity on hold to then assume his humanity. He was already perfect in his divinity, but he willingly confined himself to a bodily human form so that he might live a perfect life in his humanity, thereby becoming the perfect unblemished sacrifice for us so that we could be reconciled to God. So as fully God and as fully man, Jesus Christ is the perfect bridge to join God to his people. So why would God go to such great lengths and make such insurmountable sacrifices for his people, for us, you and I? The simple answer is that he is a good father. Sounds cliche, but we're going to unpack it a little bit. So I want you to note that we are his children. If we go back again to Genesis 1, down a few verses, read verses 26 through 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So we are created in God's image, in his likeness. And being created in the image of God and in his likeness, we are his children. So what does that mean? Well, 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. It doesn't simply say that God loves, but that he is the personification of love itself. So what does that say about how he feels toward us? Well, we were created by love, out of love, and for love. God knows the end from the beginning. Before the universe was ever created, he knew that man would choose to disobey and allow the curse of sin and shame to enter into the world. He knew what would have to be sacrificed through the person of Jesus Christ in order to redeem his people unto himself. He knew all the people that would reject him time and time and time again across generations. And he knew all the evil that would be allowed to endure for a time. And yet he still chose to create man in his image, because he is love. And you and I were created out of that love. Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, it's one of my favorite passages. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So notice the progression. It says, first... We know his love. We are rooted and we are grounded and we are secure in his love for us. And then we are filled with the fullness of God to accomplish the purpose that he has set before us. So it is because of this love of God that we are called children of God in 1 John 3, 1. But Satan tries to distract us with life and lies so that we either forget or we disbelieve who we are in Christ. So have you ever noticed if you're maybe you're not feeling so great about yourself one day, um, whatever's gone on in your life, you just don't feel physically 
you know, very beautiful or there's some icky circumstances and situations that you're dealing with, um, you're experiencing a lot of shame from past mistakes or regrets, whenever you're not feeling great about yourself, do you notice how it affects those around you? So for me personally, when I don't have a right view of myself and I absorb those lies and believe the lies and I absorb the shame from the enemy, I take it out on everyone around me. I get snippy and hateful, I yell and complain, sometimes I cry, sometimes I rant. The way that you see yourself will dictate how you see God and how you treat others. So when you identify yourself as and when you walk in your identity as a child of God, you begin to see God correctly. You know that he is good. You know that um, he loves you, that he is faithful. You know that he is trustworthy. And you know that he has good things planned for you, for his glory, for your good. And out of that knowledge of his love and having a right view of who he is, you then treat those around you. You overflow that love of God onto those around you and you treat them with love. So you fulfill the first and the second, the greatest commandments. But when you identify yourself as anyone or anything other than a child of God, then your view of God becomes skewed. It's off. And you begin to doubt that he has good things. You begin to doubt he's good. You begin to doubt um, that really he has your best in mind, that he is a good father. And when your view of God is skewed, then there is no way that you can fully love those that God has placed around you because you cannot love apart from God and you cannot give what you do not have. I was at a seminar at another church and the pastor was talking about Eve's temptation in the garden. He said that when Satan came as the serpent in the garden, he told Eve, you know, take this and eat this and you will be like God. And the pastor pointed out, She already was like God because she was created in his likeness. So we are not God, but you can tell by looking at us who our daddy is. So my husband, Drew, he is the spitting image of his father. So when we go out as a family, there is no question about whose he is because he resembles his father so closely. And it's the same for you and I as God's children. Nothing else in all of creation was made in the image of God. Not even the angels are said to have been created in his image. We have the opportunity to have love and fellowship with our creator, something that the rest of creation does not possess. We were created in his image to have relationship with him and to bring glory to his name. And Satan just tries to assault us with lies. He tries to run us down and bog us down with with life and busyness to where we, we disbelieve or we forget to walk in our true identities as children of God. And he just tries to get us distracted and get our our eyes off of that because it's just a tale as old as time. From the very beginning of time in the garden, he was attacking identity because he knows who we are. Don't doubt for a second, Satan knows exactly who we are in Christ. His game is to keep you from knowing who you are in Christ. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 Another one of my favorite passages says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, says Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or in heaven. So it says that all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. 
Now I'm going to read Colossians 2, 9 and 10. And it says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. So because Jesus is God, and because God through Jesus and by the breath of the Spirit breathed life into man and created man in his own image and his own likeness, and because Jesus subjected himself to come down to earth in a bodily human form, embracing humanity while retaining his deity, and because we are now reconciled to God as his children through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and because we believe and accept Jesus' sacrifice, thereby saving us and filling us with the Holy Spirit, because of all of that, the fullness of God that dwells in Christ also dwells in you and me. The very presence of God rests inside of us as his children redeemed by Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Romans 8, I'm going to read starting in verse 9, um, and I'm going to skip down to verse 14 and read to the end. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Picking up in verse 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry abba father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children now if we are god's children then we are heirs heirs of god and co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory so we are the children of god daughters of the most high sons of the most high and no one and nothing, not situation, not your job, not your kids, not your spouse or family, not your diagnosis, not your bank statement, not your possessions or lack thereof, not your popularity or success, not your outward appearance, not your past or your mistakes, not your hidden sin or struggles, nothing and no one can alter or void your identity as a child of God. He made you in his image. He called you into himself. Who you are is not dependent upon you. That may be a newsflash for, for you. It was for me once upon a time. Who you are is not dependent upon you. Everything about who you are is dependent upon him. And in order to know yourself, you must first know Jesus Christ because as children of God, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And we should be, should be so wrapped up in, in God and in who he says we are that the cares of this world, they can't shake us. They don't rock our identity. They don't define us because we're so, we, we're so grounded in who God says that we are. The world does not define you. It tries, but the world does not define you because it can't. Only the one who made you has the power to define you. And what does he have to say about you and me? It is in the Bible, his love letter to his children that he has graciously given to us. So are you pressing in? Are you seeking him? 
Are you asking God to reveal himself to you? He always answers those prayers 100% of the time. We cannot know ourselves until we know the one in whose image we were created. So I encourage you to press in. Seek him and he will be found by you. Pursue him. Draw close to him and he will draw close to you. And that is a promise that you can live by. Thank you so much for joining us today on Coffee Talk. You have been prayed for. I pray you have a blessed day and we'll catch you next time. 